is an amazing source of truth. And sometimes when we say the word truth, we always have initially uh, a question, or well, what is truth? What's, what's really truth? And we come to a conclusion when we read the Word of God that truth is more than just a concept. Um, truth is actually a person. Jesus Christ. And the way the truth. Pilate asked the question, what is truth? Truth was seated right before him. And he didn't recognize truth. In the Word of God, he constantly teaches us, the believers, through contrast. This is light and darkness. We see light versus death. In the Proverbs, he uses contrast between a man who is foolish versus a man who is wise. The woman who is foolish also will tear down her house, and a wise woman will build it. A foolish woman would be, as he talks in the Proverbs, about one who is a prostitute. He makes her living and utilizes her, her sexuality for fun. And God says, that woman is a fool versus a woman who is virtuous to take care of her home, take care of her people, etc. So God uses contrast constantly. God does that to help you and I on this earth to realize there are absolute truths. The world is trying to say there's nothing absolute. There's no absolute truth. There has to be something or some type of a twist to it. No? If you look at truth, it is. It can't change. Truth is the same for every generation. And it never alters. It never weakens. It never gets stronger. It is what it is. And so God's Word is that truth because it reveals to you and I what is truth. Um, what we are seeing in some writings and maybe some teachings through the churches is that there's not as much absolute as we once thought. We don't want to offend people, so we have to begin to be politically correct, or we have to just make sure that we don't make them uncomfortable. We want them to just realize, we might disagree, but it's okay to disagree. You don't have your ideas, and it's okay. And there's no absolute. Well, God does bring some absolutes. As we as Christians begin to look at truth, absolutes, as we learned last week about creation, we see the absolute found within the Word of God, and as much science as it can be examined to show that, again, God's Word is right, evolution is wrong, it's based on lies. And so we see that. Uh, we, we look at the other bookend, which has to do with the church, that one day we're going to be snatched away, we're going to be going to heaven, we're going to be with him. Uh, there's going to be tribulation, there's going to be the second coming of Jesus back to earth, it's going to be a millennial reign. You say, why do you know that? You haven't seen it by faith. No one was there at creation except for God. Hebrews 11 tells us, by faith, we, by faith, we understand the world framed by the word of God. And the things that are seen were not made by things that do appear. By faith, we understand. By faith, we also have this hope that the Lord is going to be coming back for you and I, the church. That's based on faith. Facts of found within the scriptures. So we see it as absolute truth. We just don't know when it can happen. That's what we dealt with a lot in 2017. 
So now this year, we're talking about the here we are. Now, the Lord hasn't returned yet for us. But here we are, this is this generation of the church. And how are we to establish what we are to be, what, what our actions are supposed to be about? Actions. So the question in the worldview has to do with what is morality? While we live here, is morality changing? Is morality evolving? What one generation might have seen as immoral, well, now it's moral, it's okay, or vice versa. Something that you know once was was the opposite, it is changed as a result of time and culture. And we begin to almost excuse something that God has said in His Word, no, or yes to, as an absolute truth. For instance, we've had a chance to look at marriage. We briefly looked at would God endure through the Word and through nature same-sex marriage? Biblically, we will come to a conclusion, no generation would that be something that God would say, I put down my table of approval on, that this is now true, that this is allowed. Uh, and a list of other things along that line. You know, we looked at the subject that in, in our culture now, the big thing politically, etc., has to do with abortion, and, and who's going to be the judges, and all of this that we're going through, and some are saying, well, we don't want to go back to the, you know, the caveman where abortion is illegal, or excuse me, yeah, is illegal, we want to keep it the same because we see the, the mother, and, and there's this, all of this huge debate about morality. It all comes down to the question, but if we look at God, and we look at the Word of God, and the design of nature, we would see that absolute truth will be for every generation because it's not natural for a woman to kill her own child. What nature would say is the woman would say, I'd rather die than my, than my child could live because I love. And these things to you and I make total sense. Now, the, the problem is, that's the world does. So here we are living as Christians in a world that doesn't agree with moral truth, as we see it, first of all, found in the scriptures, secondly, in God's creation. So all of this connects for you and I. Now here's, here's the problem is this. In the scriptures, God shows contrasts. He also shows another important contrast. Us versus them. Sometimes we think them to think like us. The them is the lost world. Us, we are different. We are believers. We believe the scriptures. We believe in Christ. Well, what we have to remember is they, the lost world, they don't believe God. They don't believe that He is any part of the equation. Well, they're based on evolution, or that, yeah, there's some being out there that's created, but we're running around now, brother. However, they want to view this current world. They don't see an absolute. That the absolute from 100 years ago can't be the same for today because of this technology. technology. So we begin to look at them, and we start condemning, we start condemning them for the way they're thinking. And why do we do that? Because before you were saved, you probably thought the same way. 
Well, what's the change? Christ. When we hear Christ, we understand what He teaches. When we learn those things, it begins to transform or, transform or renew the way we process things, the way we read them. Why would we see something as moral, something immoral, when the rest of the world says it matter? Morality, there is no real such thing. Now, there's certain dynamics that they might say, yeah, but, but not. And so I had this one young man, he's not even big He's 15 years old, 14 years old, in that area. And this is all the other talk. It's yeah, guys are gay and uh, hate the mama and everything like that. So, typical scenario of a man and his wife jumping down and talking with this guy. And I asked him, I said, do you think, do you think a man with a man is moral? And he said, absolutely. I said, based on what? Love? Who I am? This is the way God made me. That's the big one. That's um, So they'll have this, and by the way, they learn this. They get these concepts and they learn what to say. And they say the exact same things because we're looking at each other. It's really very easy to walk through. And I said, okay, so... I gave him a scenario. I said, so, do you believe that a man molests a, a child that that's morally wrong? And he said, absolutely. Why? Well, is it wrong? Well, based on what? Well, how I feel. Well, it used to be that what you were doing was viewed as immoral, but now it's moral. How can that not become moral someday? Where do we get truth from? Where do we get law from? Romans chapter 2 gets into that concept. But even a Gentile who don't have the law have a law that's written inside of their hearts. They know right and wrong. There's something inside of them that God has created a myth to understand that. And we can even see it in the deepest of the jungles. That there's laws. So, here we are. Now, follow me. We, the believers sometimes are not viewing the world the, the right way in that we begin to condemn them and listen, folks, they don't have the Spirit of God. They believe in God. You say, well, we're going to mandate morality. You can legislate morality all you want, but they're still going to abort the kids. They're still going to murder. They're still going to sell drugs to kids and kids get killed because they're stupid and they take the drugs and they think I'm invisible and then they die in a car wreck or they die because they overdose. I have three kids in my last church, or uh, last church, uh, all died of heroin overdose. And these are kids that I find in my children's church. Okay? So, this is home for me. And the thing is, the dealers, they don't care. Well, why don't they care? Because there's no law. There's no right and wrong. And we, the Christians, say, well, there's no right and wrong. And they're like, who cares? We're going to die. We're going to get split under. Who cares if you die at 15 or if you die at 91? I made money. I'm happy. Me, right now, I'm happy. Well, that's the mindset. And we're going to see down the road from some of the last days and what God defines for you and I in the last days. Well, one of the words is, hey, they fall into anything. They think they They don't look ahead. And we as Christians, but we, man, we got to act together, right? We got all down. You know, those people, they're the bad things in the world. You know, God did more condemnation in the Old Testament to Israel who had the law than he did to the lost world. 
to help you and I to realize a very important truth. God is going to address, first of all, that, the lost world, to help us realize that yes, we need to be just like that. Yeah, to be carnal and minded is enmity against God. You know, that brings us to death. And we who are saved, we have the Spirit of God, it brings life and peace. Yeah, Romans chapter 8 says, so we're believers, now we have life. Yay! And we have peace. Hey! Oh, it's hard to do anyways if we're not walking carnally in that text. So now, here we are, looking at the world. So God's emphasis in this chapter is not on the lost worlds. We get them. They don't know because they don't have the Spirit of God. They don't see the Word of God as relevant. It does something. They are alienated from the truth of the Word. It's like they're looking at this, they're looking at us and saying, Y'all are crazy. Let's be really married. Man, you're making all these issues. This isn't an issue. Life's fun. Everything's supposed to be enjoyable here. There's no absolute. You feel this is good, you do it. If you don't do it, hey, you don't get along here. So in the text, he addresses them, but he's addressing you and I. And if you're a you need to know that. Um, the part one today has, has to do with understanding the transformation that begins to happen inside of the true believer's mind as we have heard the gospel and we see the teachings of Christ as absolute truth. It begins to change the way you and I reason. That's what it's about. Let's look at it. We're in Ephesians chapter number four. And we're going to start in verse number 17. Once you have found that, would you please stand as that's a God word. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. If I do, therefore, and testify in the Lord, the henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of the mind, having the understanding of it. Now remember, he's talking about those who have not believed in Christ, Jesus, and Savior, Yet, they're alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being feeling, have given themselves over to the previousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. It will be that you have heard them and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That's how far we're going to get today. Lord, bless this time, Jesus, for your glory and for your honor. Help us learn good things about you, and we will thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen. You may be seated. The mechanics of the mind, how the Christian reasons, is what the goal is of this text. Although it does reveal the lost world, the focus is not on them. That's easy for us to realize. And yeah, there's no wrong. But the question is, do we have the renewed mind? He says this in, in verse number 17. He says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. I say, or I'm testifying. In other words, take record of this. 
sustained in God's presence and by God's authority. And there again, when we read the Word of God, we've got to remember that God is saying, this is my Word to make God. You Paul, John, Peter, and many other writers, you remember, this is not a man's opinion. This is as we will see it, God giving us His Word in learning how to live, how to be in this world. So, verse number 17, He also says, that we henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of the mind. Now, if you're an unchurched person and you don't read the Bible a whole lot, you're going to say, who in the world is a Gentile? But as a good question, within this text, you would see that those who would not be Jewish would be Gentiles, typically. So you would those have those that were under the law, keep the law of Moses, and do this and do that. And so that, that, this would be a word of contrast to it but knowing the church at Ephesus, this church came out of very strong idolatry, and so their, their surroundings are not as much Jews as they are Gentiles. Many of these are Gentiles, and that's why Dr. Timothy, then he gets into the concept that God has broken down the wall of partition between the Jews and the Gentiles, that we are all now one in Christ Jesus. Okay? So he's trying to say, if you go out in the market, you go to Walmart, or you go to Martin's, or wherever you shop, you're going to be pretty much around lost people who don't keep the wall. They're going in and buying pork chops. You know what I mean? They're buying bacon. They're not worried about dietary things. They're not worrying about any of the Jewish culture. They are only going into this world. And he is saying, listen, you and I, are in this world, but we're not to walk like that. The word walk. I would think of us walk every day and what we're doing every day, and that is absolutely true. But the word walk really can be defined this way. Not to occupy yourself with the things that the lost do. It's what we occupy our time with on a daily basis. What we're known for, a walk. The Christian is to know of, be known for their walking in the Spirit. Abide with me. In other words, we're walking with God. We're connected with Him, and we're, we're understanding what Christ would do is what we would want to do. Where the world doesn't have that walk, they walk in something absolutely different, or they're occupying themselves with other things. So, basically, the walk of the world, as you see in verse number 17, it talks about the last phrase is the emptiness or the vanity of the mind. Now, I hope you're starting to see why in this last year we have been teaching the different books that you have. Hopefully now you'll, you'll remember that word vanity. Hmm, vanity, vanity, vanity. Where did I hear that before? Oh, yeah, in Everything is vanity under the sun. It's empty. Your work, your labors, your monies, your investments, all of these things can be taken so quickly as we therefore we do not put our trust in those things. Our trust is in the Lord. Therefore, the vanity of the world is not vanity for the believer. Because we see everything different. It's transformed mind. Even when he gets into 
you know, when you talk about the other man, they can do whatever they want. There's nothing restricting them because I withheld nothing from my eyes that I wanted. I went for everything that I had. The American dream. More money than I know what to do with. I can buy anything I want and as many of them as I want. And he says, empty inside. It's It never fills the void. Another word that blew my ears, and some do, is the word Feel. And what that means is incapable of producing anything. I compare it to the hamster or your gerbil or whatever that's on this, this little wheel inside the cage. Man, is it burning calories. It is running, it's fast, it's it can You know what? It even looks like it's having fun. It's like, I'm really going fast, and I won't feel good about myself, and I get off, and it's like, oh, done, and where did you go? Nowhere. That's the mind of the lost world. They're working really hard. They're working hard, and they can't look at how fast I'm doing this. Look at what I'm producing here. And then when you look, and you get off, you say, okay, what was accomplished? That's why a phrase my preacher used to use is that in the scope of all of eternity, doesn't matter. In the scope of eternity, doesn't really, really matter. The, the Christian mind thinks eternal, long term. The world looks at the immediate and only now. So we're not to walk like that. It's not our, our, our school is not easy to be married because then we tomorrow we die. No, no, no. Our mindset is, there's going to be a resurrection someday. By the way, that's all in 1 Corinthians 15. Our goal is to live for the Lord, so one day when I stand before Him, I want to hear those words well done. And well done has to do with what we did while we were here on this earth. And that's why verse 18 tells us this. Having the understanding darkened. In other words, the lost world's mind is darkened. In other words, there's a moral... The, the moral understanding is darkened. To view, and literally that's what he's getting in. Their mind, their understanding how they comprehend things is absolutely darkened. And then the second phrase is there's an alienation or they become strangers from the very life of God. So God, God is about life and life. And they look at that and they say, well, that's so. They don't even understand. And they, as we'll see in Romans, on purpose, kept themselves ignorant of absolute truth and will not believe it, so therefore the minds are absolutely dark. And you'll remember 10 Corinthians 4 4, where it talks about in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. His intent is to put blinders over the eyes so that they don't see light. Because light, excuse me, light brings light. Darkness is that which represents death and sin. And God is trying to say, let me show you light. Let me show you what it's really all about. So they, the world, again, are alienated. They're in darkness. There is an ignorance inside of the mind that is living and dwelling inside of them. And it has to do with the heart because God is foreign to them. Terms that I used 31 years ago when I first started to preach, I can't even use them now. You know why? Even the Christian 
world is starting to not have a full comprehension and understanding and understanding of biblical terms, let alone the lost world. So when I do a funeral or for someone that I don't know and I have a room filled with people that I don't know if they're saved or not, know nothing about them, when I say I simplify the gospel, I really, really, really simplify the gospel. You would say, uh, Carl, you're, you're really teaching at an elementary level. Yeah, but the lost world, that's where they are at. They have no comprehension of what we have as we have studied the Word. We've been in Sunday school. We've been in a while. We've been in all these things. And we're getting these concepts that the world doesn't have that anymore. It's no more Christmas. It is Xmas. You know what I'm saying? It's like they get the Christ out of everything. And they don't even understand. If you said, what does the word Christ mean? They would have no idea. Who is God to you? Whoever you want to be. People make them up all the time. All you religions are all, you all have your own gods anyways. And that's how the lost world is viewing it. And you start talking about an absolute creator and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you use the word resurrection, there's no real understanding of any of these things. You have to go back to the foundation. So listen, those of you who are solar, please listen to what I'm saying. You can't go in. One man came to me in 1979. I'm an electrician, and I had just graduated from high school into witchcraft and in the middle of that and all that and this is what he says to me. Well, can I ask you a question? And he really prayed for his lunch. And I'm like, that's a little weird. And he was praying for his kid brother. And I'm like, I'm looking over and like, okay, thank you. And it was like so far into me. And after he was done and we talking, and he says, Carl, let me ask you a question. Have you been born again? Do you have any kind of personal relationship with you? I mean, have you been regenerated? I mean, I'm like, I don't think so. Is it contagious? No. I have no idea what this guy was talking about. And all that I did was got frustrated because he kept on condemning me. And condemning me of actions that I was doing. And all that I got was matter at him because he went to church. Be careful. Be Christian dollars around if you want to ride every team one. I'm talking to you about 19 year olds. I was around all kinds of Christians. And it was crazy the way they treated me as a lost person. And Lori was the first one that actually brought in the concept of and I did. And thank God I got saved. You see, the problem isn't that. Christians, the problem is us. They, of course, they have moral judgments clouded. The sin, the mechanics of their mind is why would I go that way when sin is so much fun? It is fun for a season. Jesus said in John 3 15, that for God's love the world. But then later on in that same chapter, he says, But men are lovers of darkness rather than light. The heart has been hardened. And literally, it means a willful blindness. Willfully, I choose to do this. You can't tell me about God. You can't prove to me.
made the God is and that He created, you can't believe because all I've been taught is this. So therefore, I have no accountability to this God that you're talking about. The Bible is just a bunch of myths and miracles and, and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever when I read it. That's because I don't have a spirit of God either. And so they're looking at Christianity and it's like, and it's like, on purpose, they're building this wall to say, no, 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 no to God. I don't want really to hear it. And they willfully harden their hearts. They willfully allow themselves to be ignorant of the life that is in, that is in God. The whole life in verse number 19 has to do with this, and I need to be quicker, go quicker here. Basically, the unsaved world's life has nothing to do with a spiritual desire. Unless it impacts their finances or helps them with their health, then sometimes, yeah, pray for me. Amen. Yeah, then have people pray for me, and I'll get some kind of witness, and maybe their God will give me something. We'll go to any source whenever things are in despair. But then it talks about it. They, it leads them and guides them into unbridled sensuality, gives them to the greed, the love of money, the root of all evil, and this mindset, and that anything to them. All the desires, all the things that they are pursuing, what identifies their life, in other words, their walk, their occupation, all has to do with immorality and has to do with anything that that is pure. First thing. But you. No change years. You thought, yep, this is the walk world. They don't like God. They don't like you. Marvel not the world hates you. Persecution comes. Don't be surprised at all of that. So here we are, the, you know, uh, looking at the lost world, and they don't like you. They don't like your God. They don't like anything about They think you're silly. They think it's foolishness. But you, we get that. Until they get saved, that's how they're going to view it all. I took all the hell crash and everything, and you know, I was electrician. People were on purpose targeting me. And giving me trash on hell and giving me trash on this. And I would look at it and like, I would laugh at them. And I would, this, my phrase was like, of course I'm going to hell. And I would rip off the hell trash and throw it away. And that's why people say, Carl, I will witness to you about Jesus because we never thought you'd get changed. You're wicked. You're a horrible person. We know we hear the rumors about you. You're a really bad guy. And all that I needed was some Christian to help me. Where does it make sense? Why? And it's not, let me teach you, the apologetics of this. And I needed, I needed why. How? Give me truth. Not the deep, deep words of Christianity. I didn't know them. I didn't even know Jesus wept. You follow me? I knew no verse whatsoever, not even the shortest one. I knew nothing. And that's what he's dealing with these Ephesians. They know nothing. They only know idolatry generation after generation after generation. They is the bottom of the Ephesians. Let's, let's worship her. My grandparents, and they were something. This is all we know. And to come in and say, Listen, Jesus died on the cross. He said, You know, if you die today, you go to heaven. Oh, why are you There's no reasoning. There's no comprehension of God. So here we are, the church. 
And we're like, oh, those wicked, horrible people. They're so immoral. Of course they are. We watch on the news all week a lack of an ability to reason. And we're surprised. Well, the lost world cannot reason except for what's going to benefit me. Doesn't matter who I hurt. Is that reason? What else? I'm surprised. So this is the world so the question is, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How do we live? And that's verse 20 of the contrast. But you, the Christians, have not so learned Christ. That's wordy, isn't it? I've read multiple ways of trying to say this thing. Um, and I tried to think of maybe some fun ways of us to understand it. And I'm like, I'm not sure how the best way is except for, you know, my mama, she taught me better than that. Remember you see that? Remember you say that? You know what? Your mama, bitch, I know her. She taught you the right way. You did that, you got a whooping. You know better than that. As a Christian, it's like, you know better than that. Jesus taught you better than that. By the way, even at salvation, it's a very concept of salvation. Jesus didn't teach you that over there in the world, the way of thinking. He didn't teach immorality. And he was secondly, this is free. This is free. Those who are under the dome of Christianity and turn to the world have literally over a misguided because they have not been saved or delivered from their sin and understand the change that God gives will literally be in the pulpit and women in the pulpit as a lesbian goes absolutely opposite of anything that the Word of God would say. You can prove it. First Timothy 2, chapter 3. Amen. It's all right there in the Bible what the qualifications are. And we can't say, well, this is what God wants us to do. It goes against the Bible. It's not biblical reason. You didn't learn that from Jesus. So the question is, which Jesus are you learning it from? You got follow me? Because there's a lot of people that talk about Jesus. It's the same one I'm talking about. The Mormons, the JWs, the cults, they're all talking about Jesus. It's the same one I believe in. Not the same Messiah. First Thessalonians 4.7 says, For God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. The calling of the believer is for us to be Christ's life and to come out from what the world would want to say and to believe. My question to them will be, what do you do with all of these verses? Because that, I do not understand. Christ, in verse 20, is the subject in the sentence. It's all about Christ is the, the source of the truth that begins to teach you and I the better way. Can I repeat that? Christ is the object of this verse who teaches us a better way than the world has taught us. He taught you are different when you're saved. He taught us to think differently than we used to think. If you're in Christ, he's a brand new creation. 
And the old things have learned to hold all things are become new. Verse 21. Brings a contingency on this whole thing. Yeah. So be that you have heard it. And I can, if I can add this and not take away from the word, yeah. you have been taught by him. What is the what is the truth that we've learned from him? As the truth is in Jesus. If we have heard him, assuming that you really have heard him, and assuming that you have submitted to his teaching, truth then is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ, and all truth comes from then his teaching to us. So as we look at this whole thing, the world does not look at Jesus who embodies truth. They see him as an imposter and as a liar and who cares. We who are saved, when we come to know Christ the Savior, we see him as the Lamb of God. We see him as the way, the truth, and the life. We see him as the resurrection and the life. We see him as the good shepherd. We see him as the bread of life. We see him as the living water. We see him as the source of all eternal life. And now that in my life, he is my source of grace and help. What I have need is the, is the ensemble shared with us. He is the one that brings joy in the morning. He is my focal point. He is my all in all. And that's how I got through my week. He's my all in all. He's my presence. He's, he's in my thought. He's my God. He's my walk. He's my occupation. He's a courtier. He's a preacher. He's not talking preaching in the text. He is talking about preaching too. All of us. He's a little Christian. The Christ is to be our occupation. Truth in Christ is how we're to walk. That He is the one. Christians who thought it better. Next year, Bill Willen, I'm going to get into some things that I'm wanting to put down and that have to do with, with the Christian beginning to connect the Word of God with the situation that we're in. And this to me is maybe a, a failure that I have done, and sometimes we as Christians do, is we know the scriptures, we memorize, we know the concepts, but in our daily living, Sometimes we forget to apply that verse to our life, and then that gives us the building block of what we're talking about. How does this happen? How do we begin to build having a biblical worldview in the right way? So that's what we're going next year. So, it appears in this text that we, as the believers, sometimes are learning more from the world than we are Jesus. It appears, not everybody, and this is generally speaking, that some going to church are living the deceived life and they're not living in the life of God because of a failure to believe the teachings of Jesus Christ and to see it as truth. What we watch and what we observe and what we learn from this world affects the way we reason and the way we think. You say, nah, nah, nah. Now you're going to start talking about what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, and everything like that. 
This past Super Bowl, which I went to, I didn't laugh you all as much as uh, uh, 30-second Super Bowl commercial. 30-second Super Bowl commercial costs over $5 million. Okay. I know that's a, that's a lot of money. $5 million is a lot of money. 30-second. That's not very long. Five million dollars. I didn't break it down for a second what that cost was like a bunch of money. And, and these same people that are throwing commercials on TV and selling video games and doing Facebook and doing Twitter and doing all these things says, don't worry about it. This will affect your brain. The media, the news media, all the shows, they don't affect you whatsoever. The world can't influence you. If it doesn't influence you, why are they banking on $5 million in 30 seconds to change your mind whether to buy a product, buy M&M's because some guy is sitting there to sue with M&M's? $5 million for a guy to stand there inside of an M&M's and buy M&M's. You know I mean? Do you know how many M&M's you can buy for $5 million? My great, 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 great grandkids could eat them all. You know what I'm saying? But they're banking on everybody in the world buying this. Do you know this is now science? That there are now studies looking at the phones and the computers and everything that is in our daily walk, our daily lifestyle, that is leading to depression, homicide, suicide, sexuality, uh, infidelity, divorce, drugs, and the list goes on. That in a cute little funny sitcom, they can convince a kid to smoke a pot of fun. And it takes about one or two seconds to take In a commercial. Every season they see the drug commercials in all of your life. I remember when I was a kid, you might see a car commercial, you might see a, you know, a candy bar commercial. Every other commercial is like, you feel this? You know that it was that too? And they are loading us up with so much dirt, you say, but it's legal. Oh, that makes it right. Remember reasoning? The mechanics of the mind, we're going to get into that more. But it's like we will stop being critical of what the world is telling us. It's like, okay, bring it on. You know how many, oh, you know, there's wicked teenagers? They, they just stop smoking that dope. They just stop doing that. I'm just angry with that. What's wrong with the old people? They're learning up. I have guys, I look at them and I have told them that go to church. Stop taking the dope. It has literally changed their personality. They are addicted to this medicine. You say, but it's legal. That's... <laughs> they're addicted and they can't stop taking it. And if you have signed the waiver at the bottom, you do understand that the doctor might be received for, uh, proceeds from the medicine that he's prescribing to you. Have you signed out yet? 
okay? So they're making money. You really think they care if you're loaded. And you can't even drive on this medicine, old people. You're not allowed to. You understand that? If you get arrested, you can go to jail because you find out your boyfriend and kill somebody. This is like really important stuff. Let reason, reason, come, let us reason together. You Suicidal? Did you, did you notice murders are like little five kids going in school and shooting everybody? Maybe it's just me, but I'm not seeing it a lot on the news. Co-workers? So I was talking, my, my son was talking about the case where, you know, there was this guy that supposedly said, oh, I'm going to that bathroom and the food is up. Cop come blaring in and arrest the guy. And he was like, I don't know what I'm and, and they found out that somebody lied about it in the age of because they didn't want him to work there anymore. This morning, and in that he's not a Christian. It is the world evaluating the phones that we are on in second, that they are showing scientifically that we as human beings are losing the ability to memorize. We, we can't memorize where we used to. We don't memorize phone numbers. I, in my first church, I had every deacon, almost every member of my church, they don't memorize. They call it at any time. Now I'm going to call it in the call it in the So, um, we're losing the memory, the ability to memorize and verses in the Bible. like we're depending upon our phone to give us the information. We don't have to memorize it anymore. We're losing the ability to communicate. And we're more connected to our phones than we are to people. We've lost our ability to develop relationships. We don't even have to talk and communicate anymore. One parent recently, I don't know if it wasn't until here today, I hope I have it close to what she said. One parent told me, since they observed their children, after watching children's cartoons, if they are more rambunctious after just a little bit of TV than if they're just creating through toys, games to play. Stimulates even in little ones. It creates this, if you will, excitement, and it does change us. It is vain to think that we can ever fill up voids that are happening with news media, with, with all of these things that are going on around us. But something is missing in the world. But I fear that sometimes that's starting to affect the church. That we are trying to fill up our life, our work, our labors, and who we are, our daily walk, belonging to God Christ. As Ecclesiastes tells us, vanity and vexation of even the Spirit inside of us when we listen to the world. The Christians 
are the ones in this text being addressed, not the lost world. We are those who are brought into question about yielding to the teachings of Christ. Have we really been taught by Jesus? If we do, things are going to change. But if we don't allow ourselves to be taught by Jesus, the opposite, the world view, the world way of thinking, is going to be beyond. God, I pray that this has made some sense and that we will begin to learn how to reason in our minds, understand truth, absolute lies, because God, you do have everything in your view and in your aim for help and hope to many times. We thank you, Son, and give us life. And not just the life that we're abundant, but it's easy to do. But God, I pray that your will be done during this invitation as yours. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, one more time. For me to be able to preach the word, as the Lord, one more opportunity to be able to share Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that some will come to the truth. Come to the truth. The blinders will be off. Because there are times that down the right the world wrong, and I believe what they will come to. And God, I suppose, you are like that say, that's far as really not saying, open to God, and to the Word of God, and who He is. And you taught me something about how Satan's trying to blind my eyes, and I'm living in darkness, and I know that there's nothing there, there's peaceful. I've even been around hypocritical Christians and they say we go through and there's just nothing there. And it's kept me from believing. But it's not Christian fault, really. It's all together. But we're definitely sinners here with grace. But I realize you're focusing on men. I want you to focus on what God has done for you. God comes down. It's not me, but. Perfection. He died on the cross, and we have to be one to it. He died on the cross for your sin and my sin. I was 19 years old, I believe. Because I got how much God loves me. He said his son. And that cross was brutal. But it did probably came and showed how brutal the cross was. Jesus did that. So he had you in mind. But he wants you to be in heaven with him. He wants you to be forgiven of all your sins, past, and future, and time. That you'll be done from what God's doing. You want to believe in Him, okay, but it's the way you are. God is really good for you. Pray something like this to your God. I do know that I'm not perfect. I'm not a sinner. But I know that Jesus Christ is perfect. He came. He died in the cross for my sin. He rose again for me. And I believe He did that so that I could be forgiven. That I could have eternal life. That one day I could be in heaven with you. God, thank you for the day of the day. Thank you for saving. Now, Lord, from this day forward, help me to live for you all the days of my life. Help me to think like Jesus Christ. Know what you're talking about. Help me to live it out.